Y Group invites all AEC industry leaders to the 2024 AEC Small Business and Entrepreneurship Forum, the premier event for small firms in the AEC sector. Experience innovative strategies and insights on May 21st, crafted by Zweig Group's industry experts. Engage in keynotes and interactive sessions focused on recruitment, retention, and business growth. Join Zweig Group for this unique networking opportunity and take your business to new heights. Secure your spot today and be part of the AEC industry's future. Visit ZweigGroup.com for more information. The Zwei Group team looks forward to welcoming you. Welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast, putting architectural, engineering, planning, and environmental consulting advice and guidance in your ear. Zweig Group's team of experts have spent more than three decades elevating the industry by helping AEP and environmental consulting firms thrive. And these podcasts deliver invaluable management, industry, client, marketing, and HR advice directly to you, free of charge. The Zweig Letter Podcasts, elevating the design industry one episode at a time. Hey folks, and welcome back to another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and I'm excited to be with you today. I've got a great episode. You know, lately, especially in 2023, I have really pushed out of my comfort zone with guests on the podcast. And and I'm always looking for some somebody new. We had uh, some folks from Full Stack Development on with regard to modular housing. We've had a venture capitalist that is offering up and providing new technology to the design industry space. And so I always like to get different stories to share with our listener audience. And today's episode is no exception to that. To that. I'm sitting across from Jared Hogan. And Jarrett is the CEO of Own Inc. They used to be Anderson Engineering and they're based in Springfield, Missouri and multiple offices around the country, uh, about 235, 240 employees at the present date of recording this podcast. And they are continuing to grow at a very fa- fast clip. And when Jamie Claire Kaiser reached out to me and said, hey, you need to talk to Jared, I was like, okay, I will we'll definitely set something up. And I was so appreciative of him connecting with me. And now we are face-to-face, live and direct. So Jared, welcome to the Zweig Letter Podcast. Thank you, Randy. Great to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, I want to just, I, we always do one thing right off the bat, and we we try to share the superhero origin story of our guest. And so I'd love for you just to kind of give the cliff note version of that superhero origin story about you and about your background and you know also how you came to Anderson Engineering, now own Inc., and got started in your, your career. Great. I love it. So really honored to be here. Love the connection with the Zwei group. For sure. Jamie for Claire sure. Kaiser, hero. <laughs> so she's, a, she's a lot of people's heroes. So. For, for great reason. Yeah. For great absolutely, reason. Absolutely. Yeah. So my brief story, my dad's a Baptist pastor. Okay. Uh, so we'll start there. Kind of lived the preacher's kid life. Okay. But with that, I learned hard work and service, how to serve people and, and care for others. My mom Unfortunately, got diagnosed with cancer at a very young age. They moved to Missouri from Indianapolis, where hometown is. Okay. And 
I thought, you know, mom's probably not going to be here too many more years and I want to be close to her as long as I can. So I moved to Missouri, uh, got a job at Anderson Engineering. I <laughs> uh, got to spend a couple of great years with my mom before she passed. And uh, when it was over, I had a little baby girl who's 24 now. That's oh, how wow. fast time goes. It does. Uh, and I thought, where do I want to raise her? Do I want to go back to Indy or do I want to stick around here in the Midwest where life seems to go a little bit slower? And so stayed or stuck around Joplin, Missouri. The tornado came. That's when Joplin went from being a place where I lived to being a place where I call home. Yep. Uh, I got to be a part of that sort of miracle of the human spirit. I met some incredible humans from across the globe who poured love and resources into the Joplin community. Got to see our own town rise up and just wrap arms around each other and make sure that people got back home and, and had what they needed to move forward. Learned a lot of great lessons in leadership through that time. Had an opportunity. I'd, I'd been with Anderson about 10 years then. And it was in our journey of we went from private ownership to employee ownership back in 98 mm -hmm. to about a decade of we weren't really sure what that meant. And then kind of came out of the tornado with I grew a lot personally and, and just changed the way I think about life and purpose. And I thought, you know, I've I've really been fulfilled by being a part of this recovery effort of what happens after a natural disaster. Yeah. Met some incredible people who just pour into others' lives. And I thought, I need to figure out something here where I can live out my purpose and, and be more fulfilled. And for a little while, I wasn't sure that was going to stay in engineering. <laughs> and then this really cool moment happened where the two worlds intersected. And I recognized that through the employee ownership model, there's an opportunity to, to allow everybody to live out their purpose. The engineering profession is a pretty noble one. It's super important for societies. We get to design futures. We get to design and improve lives. And I just kind of got hit with this intersection of an opportunity to really lean into what employee ownership could do and be for people's lives. Yeah. Use the profession of engineering to make sure that we continue to improve communities. And that's when it kind of hit me that what I was looking for was right here. I was just doing it wrong. <laughs> so uh, that's kind of my background. So I've been with the firm 21 years. I went from land survey manager to office market leader to president of business development to CEO for about the last four years. Wow. And uh, having way too much fun along the way. Yeah, you seem like it. I mean, you came bounding in. Our, our, our listeners can't appreciate it, but you came <laughs> bounding in with a lot of infectious energy and you brought gifts. So you brought some swag with you. So we, we love when folks actually, because I don't get to do a lot of Zweig Letter podcast episodes in person. Right. Most of them are done online, virtually through Zoom or through another program that we use. But this was this is actually quite nice that we're we're actually sitting in a radio station here in Fayetteville, Arkansas, and we're we're face to face, yep. kneecap to kneecap, as they say. That's so it. this is exciting. So I so let me ask you real quick, just for those that are listening, because I, I think sometimes like I didn't like I remember I wasn't living here during the time of the Joplin when that happened and and that was a tornado that came through here it was an f5 right it was it yes. was so um what year was that 2011 okay it was 2011 yep. and it did a fair amount of damage to joplin it did uh 6000 homes 18000 vehicles uh 161 deaths that's certainly the the, the hardest thing. part lots yeah. of friends and family and and you know the the human toll was was tragic yeah we can't undo that, no. uh, so we'll respect it. But the the beautiful side, when you look for the bright spots, is just the within hours, there were volunteers coming from other towns and other states. And, and to this day, there's people that are just loving on that community and yeah. making sure that, that, that people are, you know, to the extent possible, made whole and given every opportunity to move forward. Yeah. I mean, Joplin has actually taken on a kind of renaissance, if it, you will, since, since that right. time. And, and so it's amazing how, how sometimes out of some of the greatest 
human tragedies can come something really amazing. Yep. That's exactly right. I met some of the most incredible humans on this planet. (laughs) Some of them that were just flying over and and saw us on the news and decided to stop by and say, hey, how can I help? Yeah. 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 There's definitely a beautiful story there if you dig into it. Oh, absolutely. And that's the one thing I say about this country as a whole, but then just its people. We may have our challenges. And I know a lot of times from the outside looking in, we, we seem so divided, but you know, we seem to rally around each other when the worst of the worst happens. I think of Katrina, I think obviously 9-11. Actually today, the day that we're recording this is the anniversary of the Oklahoma City bombing. Mm. So, you know, you, you yep. kind of are reminded of that. And if nothing else, as Americans, we are quite resilient. Indeed. <laughs> we are quite resilient. And we definitely, in most cases, like to help our neighbor and try to work with them. So, well, I appreciate you sharing that aspect of it. So tell us a little bit about now, what is now OWN, Inc., which was before Anderson Engineering. And one of the things that we're going to talk about is the rebrand that you guys went through. But just just for the audience, orient them to the scope of work that you guys do at Own Inc. and the area that you cover here. Great. So we were founded in 1954. We've had a few names since then. We became Anderson Engineering in 1977. Up until about 2010, we had two offices, Springfield, Missouri and Joplin, Missouri. We had about 50 people between the two and had you know, enjoyed a 1% to 2% year-over-year growth since our inception. Good, stable company, not a lot of growth, but we survived when a lot of companies didn't, so good reputation. Our primary services, we offer civil engineering, structural engineering, environmental engineering, full spectrum from public infrastructure to private development jobs, and then we've got land survey division with GIS and full field services from construction materials testing to geotech to We've got full asphalt and soils and concrete labs. So kind of a, a one-stop shop for civil engineering services. Okay. All we, right. We've got offices. So again, headquartered in Springfield. That was our first office. We came to Joplin in the 90s. Today, we have 12 offices. Wow. We've got three in Florida, one in Rogers, Arkansas, and multiple across Missouri from Columbia to a few offices in Kansas City to Joplin, Springfield, and, and surrounding markets. Man, you know, and it's interesting to hear you say that to come from what would be considered a very, you know, small focused firm, right? Just in, in, in Springfield and Joplin, which are as a crow flies, maybe 50 miles apart. Yep. That's right. About that. About so, that. and they're in the kind of the, for those of you looking at a map there, you know, that Springfield and Joplin are right in the kind of Southwest corner of the state of Missouri, right. like right on the line with Kansas, right on the line with Arkansas, where we are now and Oklahoma. So- that's kind of the location of that. But you guys, um, obviously, you were drinking a lot of the water that a lot of people were drinking when it came to expansion and when it came to growing. How did the growth happen for you guys at OWN? Yeah, it's one of my favorite questions to answer. We uh, So again, I've been here for a long time. We went from private ownership to employee ownership, but for a little while, we didn't really make that cultural shift. Partly because the last owners guaranteed the note to become employee owners. So they continued to make sure they managed it well. Sure. So after about a decade of being employee owners, but not really knowing what that meant, we really started to make the shift and thought, what could this be for people? Not to get too hokey, but one of my favorite things about the American dream and the experiment that we're enjoying here is the first belief that all men were created equal. And number two, the fact that we get to enjoy land ownership right. and how much that can raise human dignity and self-worth. Yeah, And I think the evolution of the American dream is employee ownership. And when we kind of recognized the gift that we had, 
A lot of companies are 100% employee owned. Within that, oftentimes the ESOP is a small piece of the 100% ownership yeah. and the rest of the ownership is sort of invite only. I mean, you know, professionals or leadership and there's nothing wrong with that model. It works great for a lot of companies, but our company's unique in that we're 100% ESOP. ESOP. Okay. So every single one of our shares is distributed equally, you know, equitably based on your percent of salary. Yeah. Right? Every year when we buy back shares, it gets distributed. It doesn't matter your title and it doesn't matter your tenure. And it's a really great way that we can elevate. You know, there's we've all heard stats. The average employee in an ESOP, when they retire, they have 2.2 times more in net worth than the identical career in mm. a non-ESOP company. When we started recognizing the power in that, we decided to turn it up and say, it's not just employee ownership, it's extreme ownership. And if our team recognizes that this is the evolution of the American dream and not just can they live on land and support their family, but they can also have a piece and a stake in the company that they work for. Right. And if they show up every day and act like owners, what's that do for their self-worth? Oh, yeah. What's that do for the way we treat our clients? What's it do for the way we treat our co-owners? And when we recognized we had that, then we kind of looked at each other and thought, well, crap, we don't, <laughs> we don't have a choice. We, yeah. we have to grow. Yeah. If it means we can invite more people into this evolution of the American dream, then we can't stop with 50 people. No. We've got to get to 50,000 people. And certainly that's a long way out. Yeah. Um, but what I love about that story is that our true motivation wasn't growth. It wasn't financial metrics. It's recognizing that we can really improve lives. We can help our clients succeed. We can help our communities where we do business succeed. And if we do that in the right way for the right reasons, we should, we'll keep growing and yeah. we'll do it for the right reasons. And we'll have a lot of people that will retire a lot more comfortable than they would have otherwise. And when we leaned into that, it caught fire. We've got some extremely excited employee owners. We're treating our clients better. When the phone used to ring, you'd see the, you know, you'd kind of look away from it and act like you didn't hear it ringing. <laughs> now um, it's like, who, everybody's now, racing. Now it's a race. Answer, right? answer it first. I keep waiting for the first work comp injury when somebody trips oh over gosh. something trying to get to the phone. That's hilarious. But, well, I love hearing that. And it speaks volumes to how, you know, the paradigm shift that has actually taken place in the design industry, where it used to be, the haves versus the have-nots in a lot of design firm organizations right. from an ownership perspective. And now it's becoming much more open. Yeah. And I've talked to a number of firm leaders of very successful design firms, and you can mark the change in their growth, like real change, like significant on the upside yep. to when they introduced employee ownership across the board. Yep. All and I've actually spoken at a number of firms that are ESOPs and just, you know, going at, to a man and woman that I talk to, you know, offline, they're all just, I mean, all the stories are really great about what, you know, what this company offers. Everybody feels like they have skin in the game right? from the, like you said, from the bottom to the top. And it just creates a sense of ownership that, you know, and it's an expectancy that everybody has around the table so that, you know, nobody's being left out. Yep. That's right. Yeah. It's a, it's energizing. It's a, it's empowering, right? You don't have to wonder what would the boss do? You say, what would the owner do? Wait, right. that's me. Wait, I'm the owner. The owner would take care of this. The <laughs> right. owner would make sure our client's happy and successful. Sure. The owner would answer the phone quick. Yeah. We've graphed out our, you know, just top line revenue growth from 1954 until this year. And you can see there's three very distinct phases. There's the private ownership phases where we were a stable, successful, one to one and a half percent year over year growth. Not rocking the boat, just showing up. That's doing right. What we got to do. Just, you know, just being good conservative engineering. Yes. Uh, and then there's the next phase where we became employee owners, where we went from one and a half percent year over year growth to about five percent year over year growth. And then there's this hockey stick moment in our graph. <laughs> 
where for the last seven years, we've had 25% year over year growth. Wow. It's exponential. Wow. And yeah. we call that our extreme ownership phase where we really just leaned in and said, wait, this is actually our company and we can impact where we go. We can impact how we treat our clients, how we treat our team. And there is, I mean, it's, it's not rocket science. No, it, it isn't. Uh, it really isn't. It, so it's treating people right for the right reason and the results tend to follow. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, that is, that's a perfect or, or a classic example of the firms that I've run into that have embraced the employee ownership mindset and just what it does for everybody across the board. And I, I would have to imagine that as you're bringing in more Gen Z, that they are understanding very quickly that, oh, this is a part of, you know, I own a part of this, right? Because, yeah. you know, you talk about some of the challenges that even millennials, but definitely Gen Z face when it comes to like not having what you talked about earlier, owning land, like having a, a home, right? right? One of the biggest challenges for Gen Z is, are they going to be able to afford to buy a home? That's right. But I would imagine that, you know, that a, a number of the young Gen Z, young people that work for you are going to be in a much different position financially in order to be able to achieve that. And I'm using air quotes now, that American dream of home ownership and having a slice of land and really being able to take advantage of it. So it's interesting the reference to Gen Z here, because I don't, I feel like the extreme ownership culture is less attracted to Gen Z from the financial side. Even though over time, I have no doubt they're going to hit that moment where they're like, oh, this makes sense. And now I'm worth more and Mm -hmm. I can do more and I have more stability and security for my family and myself. I think those things are going to come. But what we've seen from the younger generation is in that employee ownership culture, the sense of belonging, the sense of being a part of something bigger than them. That motivates them more to be attracted towards the culture we're building, more so than the financial, even though I'm trying to say, hey, there's a really good financial piece on this for you too. Right, right. Um, At the end of the day, we're not sending our profits back to shareholders. We're not sending them back to, you know, another owner's group, we're sending them right back Back to you. you. Yeah. Um, Well, and I think for this particular generation, because they are so iterative in their thinking, and I've told this story several times about these young people, and I'm speaking specifically of Gen Z, but certainly some of the younger millennials, they are problem solvers. Yep. And they look for ways to fix things and to solve problems. And I think it's important for us to recognize that. A lot of firms, you get people where you bring them in young and it's like, listen, just go over in the corner and I'll call you when I need you. Just do what I ask you to do for right now. And, and eventually your day will come, right? Because that was that's what I, I heard right. for, forever in a day, like in the, in the 90s and in the early 2000s. But things have changed. And I think people have recognized the simple fact that these you can entrust much with these young people. Right. And, you know, the old Uncle Ben adage to whom much is given, much is expected. And when I say when I think of that, when you think of young Gen Z people and this is for any firm owner out there, any design firm leader. Think about the fact that these young kids are digital natives. Yep. They've been entrusted with some of the greatest technology that we've ever known in the last 10 years. That's right. And they have shepherded it. And whatever you think about social media and all that other stuff, they are taking it and using They've it and leveraging it. it to their advantage. That's right. And then that's that same ingenuity, that same iterative ability can translate over into the workplace. But you have to give them the space to grow and yep. to figure some things out, make some mistakes in the process. But, you know, don't sleep on them because they will surprise you all day showing you exactly what they're capable of doing. Yeah, they're way smarter than we are. 
The only, the only <laughs> slight advantage we have is some experience and sometimes wisdom. Well, yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> and, and, they, and they're gaining that quicker than we did, I no, think. Absolutely. But it's important, right? For us older folks, and I'm sure we're, I don't, I'm Gen X. I don't know if you're Gen X, but I'm um, in that Xennial. Xennial. Yeah. Spot. Okay. Yeah. So, <laughs> so I'm Gen X. I was born in 69. I claim it proudly because I'm actually the thing I, I like about Gen X and Gen X leaders is that they, that was the first generation that even had any remote experience with right. the digital world. Right. Yep. I mean, I got my first email address when I was in college. And then it's kind of taken on a whole life of its own now, but I kind of understand it. And I know the old school sensibilities of the boomers that I can appreciate the great generation. And so almost, you know, Gen X leaders are able to kind of bridge that gap That's right. between where Gen Z and millennials are today and where things used to be. And in that same vein, it's important to encourage that type of mentorship, that type of training, because, you know, one of the things, and I, I shared this with somebody else that I was recording a Zweigletter podcast with recently, is that one of our biggest challenges that we face in this industry is the transfer of knowledge. Hmm. You know yep. what I'm saying? Because Absolutely. there are men and women in your shop yep. and all your offices that are older yep. that have been there, have done that, that. they've got the t-shirt to prove it. They've yep. seen every iteration of client interactions, yep. client successes, client failures, issues of scope creep. I mean, you name it, they've seen it all. Yep. And it's really incumbent upon us as design firm leaders and those that are in this space to encourage that knowledge transfer down to that young group, because that young group, when they get that information, they will process it and do some amazing things with that, with that. But we can't let that generation of information and that knowledge retire and just go away. Yep, we right. have to be really intentional about how we track and maintain that, which is one of the reasons why I encourage firms to get every story about from the leaders about how a firm started. If you're a younger firm, like say, you know, 20 or 30 years old, I mean, you guys are like OGs as far as firm age because right. you guys have been around and you, I'm sure there's stories through each iteration of the company, right? Definitely. But, and some of those stories, even from the beginning still are true today. Still relevant. Yeah. For sure. So, and, and we've lost many of them. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it, and that's my point. That, yep. That's why I say the knowledge transfer piece is point. important. And you have to be intentional about how you get that information to the next generation. A, thinking about how they consume information right. and how they do things, right? Because how they will take that information in may be entirely different than how you would have done it 15, right. 20 years ago. Yep. The hour-long lectures aren't quite as effective as they once were. No, 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 no. Absolutely not. And, and and as a matter of fact, I think if anything, nowadays, these young people like it in bite-sized pieces. For sure. And they like to be able to consume it whenever they want to. Just think of how we consume TV now. Everything. Like, I don't watch regularly scheduled programming right. outside of live sporting events. That's the only thing. And even that sometimes, you know, I'll turn my phone off because I don't want anybody to send me updates on what's That's happening funny. if I've DVR'd it or, or whatever. But the bottom line is those habits have just changed. Indeed. And as firm leaders and firm owners, you have to recognize that yep. and be willing to say, OK, I'm going to pivot in terms of how I present this information to this young group of folks. And I think the firms, the design firms that are successful at doing that are going to be the ones that are going to have their way when it comes to going to the recruitment fairs and some of the alumni programs at your fill-in-the-blank university. Right. That's, that's where the difference is going to be made. I think that's exactly right. If I didn't 
wasn't worried about my pen making sounds in your microphone. I'd take notes right yes, now, Randy. I yeah, think that's no, truth. It is. It is. I mean, I, I mean, I say that over and over again, right? Because I, I mean, I always hear from people and, and I've been involved in executive search and recruiting in this space since the 90s. It's never changed the focus, right? Of out going out, building relationships, showing people what your advantage is as a company, as an right. organization, what will allow you to be a place that's attractive as a landing spot for that young up and coming engineer yep. or architect for that's that right. matter. And it's important. And, you know, I always tell the stories of people like Jerry Allen, who was the former president and CEO of Carter and Burgess and how, you know, his decision making back in the eighties and nineties built a juggernaut of a design firm, which eventually was subsumed by Jacobs. But I mean, he made his mark in that process. And so many people I look at today, I'm still friends with people that were sitting under him at, at that time in the nineties. I mean, all of these guys are leading firms and doing amazing things because of the example that he set. Hmm. That's why leadership is so, important. So and that, important. And that's why it's important to you know show your young people, hey, we can try new things. We can test the waters. We can see what's out there. Sometimes we might make a mistake, but we just got to dust ourselves off and keep going after it. Yeah. So love yeah. that. Yeah. So anyway, why don't we kind of pivot right now? Because I do want to talk about the rebranding effort yeah. that you took at OWN and really what that meant to you. I remember your, I could tell in your excitement when you were telling me about <laughs> it a couple of months ago when we had our introductory phone call and I was like, oh, I really want to hear this story. And I, I kind of shared with you the alphabet soup that we sometimes encounter right. in the design industry space when it comes to names and names are important. Absolutely. They are very important. And a lot of times, a lot of names are tied to an owner, tied yep. to a, a, an original founder. So that's something that needs to be understood. But I think that you guys are, it's not so much that you're unique, but you decided that, you know what, even though we have our firm is named after an original owner of the company, we don't necessarily have to adhere to that. There may be other options for us. And right. I would love for you to walk us through that whole process of going from Anderson Engineering to Own Inc., yeah. which I think is a really cool name, by awesome. the way. So, we love it. Yeah. I'd show you the tattoo, but it's still a little raw. <laughs> That's funny. I like that. So, yeah. Yeah. So happy to share. So I think one of the most important parts and places to start is in the beginning. And we started this almost two years ago. Okay. We, as we continued to grow and recognize that what we owed our employee ownership was to increase the size of our company, increase our share value and add more people to the team. We recognize that like a lot of companies our size, our marketing and our brand and, and you know, you'd ask 10 people, how do they talk about us? You know, what's their elevator pitch? And you'd get 12 answers. Yeah. So we recognize that if we we're going to take it to the next level, we're going to have to really develop a brand. So we hired a company out of St. Louis that specializes in building brands for companies. They're a brand and culture company. They came in and they, at first they just did a quick discovery project, took a couple of months, interviewed a handful of our people and came back and they, they gave us some key discovery findings. And a couple of them were, and nothing shocking here, right? It's just, it's, it's sometimes harsh to see it in writing. Right. But one of my favorite outcomes was they said, your people are incredible. Your brand is mediocre. Sure. Your people deserve a brand that's as great as them. Wow. Well, I mean, what are you going to do with that? No, you I have, know. You have no option but to but to say, yes, you, we agree. So then we engaged with them in phase two, which ended up being almost a two-year project. And they said, there's a couple of ways to do this. You know, we're brand experts. We can come in with very minimal information. We can interview your leaders. 
and we can try to determine what your DNA is based on a select few. Mm-hmm. Or if you, you know, if you really value what every member on your team says, our favorite way to do this well is to interview every single employee owner at the company. Wow. And send out surveys to everybody and get every client that will talk to us to sit down face to face and ask them what it's like to work with your company. And if you'll give us names of some clients that you've upset that have left you, we'd love to visit with them. Yeah. And we said that if it's worth doing, it's worth doing well. All right. So we engaged with them of almost a year long research and just a ton of interviews and questionnaires. And we encouraged our team when, when they reached out to take time to visit and to be candid. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't want to pat on the back. We wanted honesty. We got a hundred page research result out of that. Wow. Just great. Some insights that made us really proud of the things that we're doing and some things that really embarrassed us about the way our team felt that we had opportunities to show up and be better as a company. So we took that and we thought, wow, what a great time to kind of pull some priorities out of this research. We spent multiple days as a board and a leadership team just deep diving into some SWOT analysis because there's never a better time to SWOT than right after you got 100 pages worth of research from every single stakeholder in the organization. And then we came out of that and said, all right, let's start from the beginning and let's redefine our purpose as a company and let's redefine our principles. Let's not worry about the brand yet. Mm -hmm. Let's start with the core. What's our purpose? Why are we here? So long before we picked a new name or even decided that we were going to pick a new name, we came up with a new purpose and it's a, a beautiful one that I'd love to share. Our purpose is building futures for our team, our partners, and our communities. Super simple, but it motivates me to wake up every day because building futures is one of my favorite things to do. Building futures for our team gets me up and keeps me energized. Making sure our clients are successful and their futures are bright is the part of the purpose. And being able to be a part of projects that make communities better. Right. Man, the intersection of those three things in one buttoned up, simple one line purpose. When this marketing and culture firm brought this to our board, like half of us started crying <laughs> and we're like, all right, that's it. We, right. we like That's why we wake up. That's why we're here. And then they shared our, our five, we ended up with five principles. We didn't do vision, mission. All right. There's lots of ways to do this. We did purpose. Why do we wake up in the morning and come to work and work together for this? And then we did principles and principles are just the way we're going to live as we live out our, our purpose. Our five principles, again, long before the name change, principle number one, owners do it better. Right. Right. We all know that if I am doing business with a company and I know the owner, I'm probably going to call them because they're going to treat me great. It's always, always. Yeah. So that's principle number one. It's empowering to our team. It's a pledge to our clients. And we lean into that. Principle number two is responsiveness is a superpower. That's one of my favorites. We unveiled these to the team a few months ago, and we had a guy put a cape on with a T-shirt that said responsiveness is a superpower. (laughs) And one of the research data points that came back was that our firm was pretty responsive. Our clients said they're one of the most responsive engineering firms we've ever worked with, right? That makes you feel good. Absolutely. Um, But responsiveness in an industry that's not very responsive isn't necessarily a good mark. Yeah. So we said, let's take what's our advantage. Let's lean into it. Let's race to the phone with a cape on, and let's turn it from an advantage to a superpower. Sure. Our principle number three is one of my favorites. They're all five of my favorites, Randy. I'm going to say that every time. (laughs) It's okay. Uh, Principle number three is success is not a limited resource. It's just a beautiful sentence. When we sit down at a table with a client that's doing a project in a community, we can look for that intersection. First of all, we're owners and we're empowered to look for those win-wins. We can look for an opportunity that is a win for our company and our team, a win for our client, a win for the community that they're building in. And if we lean into the making sure that we identify success, we don't have to be martyrs for a job. We don't yeah. have to lose, right? We don't have to 
try to fight for our client. That'll be something that'll be bad for the community. We can in, lean into that principle number three, which success is not a limited resource. Principle four, which is uh, why I gave you a hammock and a flat bill as a little bit of a swag gift when I walked in. Uh, fun matters. Yes. The work we do is important. We take the work very seriously. We don't take ourselves that serious. We have a lot of fun. We have owner's retreats where we, we play corporate games against each other. We just had our launch party last week where we unveiled the name. We brought in video game trucks and barbecue food trucks, and we played cornhole, and we just goofed off and had a lot of fun together. That's and whether you're a client or a team member at our company, chances are you're going to laugh a lot. You're going to have a lot of fun right. uh, while we're doing really important work. And then the last one, uh, people are at the center of it all. Okay. That's the book into our principles. The hammock that you have has that embroidered on it. It says people are at the center of it all. Because when you fall into a hammock, assuming you stay upright, you're going to lean right into the center of it. Yes, that's <laughs> so true. That's kind true. of a tie to our fun matters and our people are at the center of it all. Yeah. So we got through this process with the research. We came up with these purpose and principles. And then we started to print them and we put them on our letterhead and thought, man, Anderson Engineering, they don't quite fit. we got a little bit of a disconnect here, right? And then, of course, as we were talking offline, there's a lot of Andersons I know. There, I was about to say, which, right? which Anderson which Engineering one? are you that, referring to? That's exactly to, right. So. so we had that. As we were continuing to grow into new markets, there was some confusion over which Anderson. So we thought our team needs a brand that's as awesome as they are. We need a brand now that fits with our new purpose and principles. And we need a brand that can, is unique to us. So you mentioned this. So many professional services companies are named after last names of owners or founders. Yeah. Ours changed from a couple of different owners' names over the years. And our new name isn't, it's unique. It's different. It's not a last name, but it is a nod to our current owners, right? Our employee owners. So it's kind of fun and that can scale with us. And our tagline is a part of our brand. It's engineering beyond. So it's own is the name of our company and our tagline is engineering beyond. And between the two of those, it's just been a rally, rally cry. Our team shows up as owners. They can own the project. They can own the success. They can own the responsiveness, right? We can live out our principles. And an engineering beyond gives us opportunities to be so many things, beyond a career, beyond a project, beyond a relationship, beyond a, beyond a single conversation, right? Beyond is our purpose. And yeah. when you tie the whole thing together, when the marketing company came back and they're like, we found it, <laughs> it's been right here all along. Right. Uh, your new name is own. And of course, the first time you see a new name, it's black and white text on a board. And they'd presented probably 12 names to us prior to that that just didn't quite resonate. And when they said it, once again, we got goosebumps and we're like, oh, man, that's us. I can imagine. We're, so, And then just the infinite number of plays, right? I got a text from somebody this morning that said, well done, you owned it, right? <laughs> it's like, all right, yeah. here we go. No pun intended, right? <laughs> Anytime so. owns all capital, you know, we're making a play off our name. And right. our team's excited about it. They they feel ownership. They feel like a part of it. And two-year process. I think I'm pretty proud of how we did it. I'm proud of our board of directors for having the courage to say, let's do this right, even if it takes a couple of years. Yeah, uh, It's not an inexpensive project, especially when you start rebrand. You know, we got 80-some trucks on the road and offices, office signs at every office and letterhead and all that stuff. Pretty proud of our board for having the vision and courage to say, this is something that our team deserves. This is going to serve us well into the future. And that's the story of our rebrand. I love that. And I, I love the fact that, you know, you took the time to hire a professional, right? Because again, this is not something that just any consulting firm can do. Agreed. Branding is a very unique aspect of business from a marketing perspective and just in general from an understanding of what your organization is all about. And if you spend the extra time and in this case, the extra money. Right. 
and you hire the right company, the results can be quite tremendous, right? I mean, a lot of companies do a client perception studies and surveys, and that's important. You have to continue to do that. But this is kind of like a top to bottom reorg of who you guys are and trying to kind of change the whole understanding of what your company is all about. And it requires a certain amount of data and information. And uh, you guys, obviously, you went the extra measure because when you think about changing a name, it's like, yeah, well, we're just going to change the name. And this is, you know, we're going to have a couple of board meetings and we're going to come up with it. I mean, you guys spent 24 months we did. going through this. I, I just want to make sure that that's not lost on anybody listening to it, Yeah, that it's not something that you take lightly. And ultimately, as happy as you are with the outcome, it would have not been this way had you tried to rush through the process. That's right. Well, and as, you know, as professionals with expertise and in a consulting space, we are constantly trying to show our value proposition and convince people to pay us for what we're good at. Yeah. But oftentimes we get a little arrogant in that space and think, well, we can do this. But in reality, you know, do what you do best and leave the rest to the rest. And uh, again, I, we've got an incredibly supportive board that is completely aligned with our vision to continue to grow this and make it the best place to work. And they had the courage and the commitment to it, make the investment. And yeah, we, we have an incredible internal marketing team, right? And they were on board and said, we're going to promote the heck out of this brand once we identify it. Right. But we need to bring in an expert that this is their specialty and let them do what they do. And when they give us recommendations, we're going to follow it because they're the experts here. When yeah. people hire our firm, they want us to be the experts. Sure, and sure. we absolutely made the commitment to hire experts and they did and, a great job. For and us. I think that's good too, right? Especially on the marketing piece, because a lot of times firm leaders tend to put too much at the feet of their marketing team. Mm-hmm. When in reality, sometimes you do need to go outside of you know, the company to hire and bring on somebody that will help you kind of see some of the things that you can't see because right. you're so close to it. Yep. And I mean, that's obviously one of the values that Zui Group brings to the table when working with any design firm is that, yeah, you know, they are on the outside looking in. They do become enmeshed with a firm. Anybody on the advisory team does, you know, they almost second nature, but they still have a different perspective than your internal team does. And a lot of times they can kind of point out to you some of the flaws that exists that sometimes you're just a little too close to it. Yep, that's right. Yeah. And I think that certainly speaks volumes to what you guys were able to do. So I want to commend you and I look forward to all of the new ways that you kind of expand upon this whole concept of own and what it represents for you and the rest of the team. Yeah. We're excited. Yeah. yeah no, it's that's going to be, it's, gonna be a, it's, we're going to have a lot of fun moving forward. I, I know you are. <laughs> I know you are. And I'm, I'm going to really be looking forward to you guys taking advantage of moving into some newer markets. Right. Right. Because again, that's, like I said, I've been around, I'm not that old, but I've been around this industry for a while and I really like the name. It kind of stands out and I want to ask questions. I want to know yeah. more. Tell me more about this own, right? right? I mean, everybody has a story to tell and I think it's going to be incumbent upon you and the rest of the team to be able to, you know, to tell it well. I know you'll be able to tell it, sure. but, but everybody's going to have to embrace right. that elevator pitch and understanding of what you're all about and be able to articulate that yep. and the value that you bring to each and every situation that you find yourself in. Right. That's right. This is definitely going to help us move forward, but the back to that extreme ownership, right? If we are okay with this, if we show up like employees and we say, yeah, our, our company or the company changed its name, 
then we're not ever going to get near the return that we could from a rebrand like this. But right. if the team shows up with extreme as extreme owners and says, we're going to own this brand, we're yeah. going to bring every opportunity to solve problems, help our clients succeed, it's up to the team. Yeah. Uh, we, we've brought it to this point, And I can tell you, the team is jazzed. Yes. Uh, they're having a lot of fun with this. They're Every once in a while, when we accidentally slip and say the old name, because it's only about seven days old right now. <laughs> it, it'll take a while. It'll take it'll a little take while. A while but so. Everybody's catching each other, and they're quickly correcting. And anytime they see our old logo, they're calling marketing straight away and saying, this old logo looks terrible. Can you change this for me real quick? Yeah. So yeah. we've got a lot of excitement. It's going to be fun to watch that translate into taking care of our clients. Well, that's good. And I'm sure the marketing team working with these branding experts will put a really great style guide together so yep. everybody's on the same page. I think part of the encouragement for anybody listening to this that does work at OWN is that, you know, you can say with pride that, hey, yeah, I was part of the, our rebrand effort, right? right? So it's not, you could say we in the third person, but I would just say, yeah, I was part of the rebrand effort. If you you filled out a survey, if you were part of any of the the, the thinking sessions that went into ultimately what came to be, if my understanding of how that whole process works, everybody plays a role in it. Absolutely. And I think it's important for you to embrace that aspect of your role in this whole rebranding effort and own it. Yep. Nope. Well said. Yeah. So that's well just it. So, <laughs> man, I, I this is exciting. So what would you say to some of the younger people that you're coming in contact with that want to learn about your company? How do you both speak to them from the vantage point of, hey, we've got 70 plus years of experience but we're also trying some new things. And part of that process is us rebranding ourselves. What would you want to say to some of these, these young whippersnapper design professionals that are coming out of school now? You know, some are graduating in the next month or two as, as we're recording this. And so I'd be curious to know what your thoughts would be or what your elevator pitch would be to some of these younger people that are coming out of school now and will be coming out of school in the next couple of years. Right. No, uh, fun question. So first, I what I tend to start with is the why. I would say if you're passionate about your profession and you want to be a part of a purpose-driven organization and you bring skills and talents, come talk to us. Give us a chance. It's an incredibly fun workplace. We do, to your point earlier, you know, we're standing on the shoulders of legends. Our last name was named after a legend. It was great in the industry and great for us. We've got folks that are months away from retirement. We've got folks that are months out of school and everything in between. And we're trying to build a diverse workplace where people belong and have a purpose and are united around the same cause. And back to success is not a limited resource, can raise their net worth and their value in a purpose-driven life and bring their skills to bear to kind of rise tides for everybody. So we're having way more fun than we're supposed to. <laughs> uh, and we're learning from each other every day. Right. And we're doing great work to help build communities. And if that sounds like something you're looking for, you should give us a call because Own always has a seat at the table for you. Yeah. Well, that's perfectly put. And I hope that every project manager and senior project manager at Own heard that and has internalized their own version of that because that's really what these young people need to hear. So they understand that they, you know, they're they're not just going to be a cog in the wheel, but they are going to be part of the momentum that propels that wheel forward. That's right. Yeah. And there's a difference. There's a huge difference. There is difference. a huge difference. Yep. So, yeah. I mean, you, the stories you could tell about just being, you know, put in front of a computer and told to just do Revit or BIM or, yep. you know, you AutoCAD, you fill in the blank tool of choice. That's and, right. you know, don't call us. We'll call you when, when you're done. So, 
it's a much different thing when you when you take real ownership of your career and the work that you do within your trade. I think it's it's important to uh, to embrace that. That's right. And with our people at the center of it all, principal, we also we promote talent. Yeah. You know, you don't have to work here 10 years before you get an opportunity to move up. If you're crushing it, you're moving up. Yeah. Uh, as we're growing, we're creating new positions all the time. And, uh, you know, we've got some folks that need a little more mentoring, a little more experience, and they're doing great. And we've got some folks that just instantly pick it up and they're getting put into some really fun projects. You know, we're mid-sized, right? We're not huge by any means, and we're a little bit bigger than small. But everybody on our team gets to work on a vast, you know, variety of different projects. So from public infrastructure projects to land development, you're not going to get pigeonholed into one thing. You're going to get a broad amount of experience. And then if you decide that you would want to become an expert in one specific thing, once you've had a chance to touch quite a few, then that's up to you. But there's there's just a ton of opportunities and we're having a lot of fun. Well, yeah. And I, and I want to tell everybody that's working at this firm, and you, you need to understand that, you know, you might be 230, 250 right now, but I've worked with firms that were two or 300 people that are now 2000. Right. And that trajectory of growth happens. Like you say, you talked about the hockey stick analogy yep. of growth whether revenue or whether through human growth, it's important to understand it can happen quick. Yeah. And especially if you guys are really intentional about going out and identifying prospective firms to acquire and to be bring them into the fold, right? Because I mean, of course, my selling point would be, hey, our name is cooler than yours. So <laughs> you might want to become a part of this, right? right? So no, but I mean, in Love all it. seriousness, you know, you, you, there is a lot of angles that you can use as you continue to develop own and, and what that represents. But I would just encourage people to recognize that it doesn't take as long as you think to get bigger. But I mean, I think getting big for the sake of getting big is one thing, but growing smartly makes a huge difference. Right. And that will really set you on course for some real long-term success that has some staying power. That's right. Yeah. So That's the plan. Well, listen, I got one last question for you. Great. Because, and this is something that I've thought about asking lately, and I'm, I'm going to ask it more often on the podcast, but what is one big takeaway that you have experienced because of the pandemic that has actually been beneficial for OWN as you look forward? Maybe it's a new habit or something that you guys are doing now that you weren't doing back before March of 2020. But what was the one, because I, you know, I, a lot of people are, have still struggled with the pandemic for right. both on a personal and a professional level. Of course, I know everybody loves the the remote work aspect and the fact that that's kind of been relaxed in an industry where it was totally frowned upon just a couple of years ago. And now everybody's like, hey, how flexible can you be with the work environment? But I'd be curious to know from your perspective, what was one big takeaway that you guys or thing that you implemented over these this last three years that has really been a success for you? Yeah, might not be the answer you're expecting, but for me... The biggest sort of life-changing moment during the pandemic was just the recognition of the importance of mental health. Yeah. And, you know, we, we learned lots of lessons about remote work. We learned lots of lessons, uh, you know, about how to treat each other through that and how to, how to handle multiple, you know, we, I used to say that we had the whole spectrum of COVID responses from sitting in their house, spraying their groceries with Lysol when they got delivered to the opposite end of the spectrum out licking doorknobs, right? right. <laughs> like, and we had, as an, as humans, we had sure. to learn how to respect people where they were in that right. process. So that was part of it. But I think for me, uh, one of my favorite things of the pandemic is just that we seem as a, as humans to be more openly willing to be vulnerable and to talk about mental health. 
I've dealt with it my whole life. I've had depression on and off. And there were circles where I felt comfortable talking about it. Sure. And there were a lot where I didn't. Yeah. And it seems like now, and we need to lean into this because we learn life is short. Yeah. Don't take it for granted. Right. I think a lot of us took more vacations or at least <laughs> promised ourselves we weren't going to spend quite as fast on the rat, rat wheel. But for me, our company, we teamed with a group out of Springfield that comes in and they do monthly brain health sessions okay. with our team. Okay. Everybody's invited to it. And we just say, I've got a son who's an athlete. He played AAU ball for a little while. Then he had two knee surgeries in the same year. The year before his knee surgery, he was in the gym every single day trying to give his body every advantage on the court he could. Right. Today he's in the gym for rehab. Yeah. Right. Same gym, same frequency for a different reason. We're leaning into brain health the exact same way. Whether you're on a high spot and your brain is healthy and you're in a good spot, there's techniques there to get more dopamine in your brain and give you a happier life. And if you're in a spot where you need some recovery, we're leaning into that. One of the ladies that teaches some of those classes, she talks about, and this really hit me, back to the spectrum of how people reacted to COVID. She says, when think about a, a trauma doctor in an ER, yep. right? When somebody comes in on a gurney, we are trained to assume that there might be some infectious disease or some airborne risk, right? So we PPE, we put gloves on, right? We cover our face and we know that. But what if every time we met a new human, we assumed they were dealing with something? Right. Right. What if we assumed that they had suicidal thoughts that day or that they had just dealt with suicide from a friend or family? Right. How would that change the way we talk to them? How would that change the interaction that we have? And for me, that's the one thing I personally want to take out of the pandemic is just to be kinder yeah. and to be more vulnerable. And to tell people that your mental health is just important to us as your physical health. Right. And it all starts there. And we're all in this together. And life is hard, but it's easier with kindness and with compassion. And when you treat each other as if you don't know, I don't know what you're dealing with, Randy. Sure. Absolutely. Um, absolutely. Yeah, we I, could talk for a while, though. We, but I mean, <laughs> no, but I, I mean, that's really refreshing for me. And I appreciate you being transparent and sharing that because I think people need to hear that. Right. I know. You know, for the longest time, it was just about utilization, right? Right. That was the bottom line, right? That's what people would ask, you know. And I would, it would incredulously, I would hear design firm leaders just talk about how they are ninety five percent utilized, and I'm like, how can you do that in on projects and be running the company at the right. same time? It's almost impossible. But that's a conversation <laughs> for another day. But the reality is, is that those are some subjective changes that are slowly taking place within the design industry what your thought process is and what has what was born out of the pandemic that has now made it okay to have these conversations about mental health, I think is astounding. And I, I would applaud you at every level, A, from sharing and being transparent as a leader, but then also for just encouraging your people to embrace wherever they are, right? Embrace the suck because yep. we all go through it. That's right. And there are moments and times when we second guess ourselves, we deal with imposter syndrome. These are all real things. All real. That even the most <laughs> vocal of us, like people think, oh man, you're, you've got a voice for radio and you're always outgoing. And you always have a right word. And I'm like, yeah, but I struggle with stuff too. Yep. So it's not, you know, I'm human just like you, right? And that's the reality. And I think the more that we're willing to be vulnerable with each other, the better off we'll be. And, and I think as a whole, as a country, as a, as a world, we've got to elevate mental health to a place that is not spoken of in hushed tones right. or terms, but rather spoken outright and shared 
as a source of pride that, hey, I'm taking care of my mental health. That's right. And then once you do that, then the rest of it becomes easy because, you know, after a while, then no longer, you know, once you get control of your mental health, then you're actually able to help other people. But it's until you address that, you know, we, we have a road to go before we get there. But I encourage you to continue to do that and to encourage everybody within OWN to embrace that because that I think will speak volumes. And you may not necessarily see it in the bottom line, right? but I, I bet you do. I bet we will. I bet you will. That's right. Because you'll have employees, team members that are way, have a much higher level of job satisfaction yeah. than you will find in other places. Because I talk to people all the time that are like, I can't wait to, to leave here. Right. You know, I can't right. wait to bounce from this particular role because I, you know, they invariably think that the grass is always going to be greener someplace else. And it may very well be, yep. but- the minute that you really take time to encourage people to be comfortable where they are in that moment, people will find that, hey, you know what? I don't really need to go anywhere. That's right. This is the place that I, you know, I want to have my career here. Yeah. If our team is healthy, happy, and purpose-driven, then all we have to do as leaders is get out of their way. I love that. I love that. So <laughs> they're going to do great things. Man, if anybody listening to this wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do it, Jared? We're, we're going to put everything on the show notes, folks. I'll even copy down the five principles and the purpose, which is build futures for our team, our partners, and our communities. That's right. Yeah. And so in the five principles, our owners do it better. Responsiveness is a superpower. I love that. Success is not a limited resource. Fun matters and people are at the center of it all. So sounds so great when you say it too. <laughs> so, no. Well, anyway, I mean, I just, I mean, I, we'll put all that out there so people can see that. But, and, and I appreciate you sharing and being transparent about the process that it took for you to get from Anderson Engineering to what is now OWN Inc. And I know that people may have questions, but what's the best way for them to contact you? Yeah. So all my contacts on our website at weareown.com. Okay. Kind of fun. And then my email address is jhogan at weareown.com. Perfect. Perfect. Well, and we'll put all of that in our show notes at uh, zweigroup.com. And you can just click on the button for the Zweigletter podcast and all that information will be there. But when this episode comes out, just take a look at the show notes, whether it's on your podcast player. Or if you are actually going to the website, just visit zweigroup.com for more information. But uh, Jared Hogan, thank you so much for joining us. We really, really appreciate it. Thank you, Randy. This has been great. Absolutely. Well, folks, that's another episode of the Zweig Letter Podcast. To learn more about one of the oldest newsletters in the design industry, visit zweigroup.com. You can read articles online, listen to this podcast, and sign up for a free subscription to the newsletter and have it delivered right into your email inbox every Monday morning. Sign up today. For more info about Zwei Group's advisory services or any of Zwei Group's publications, visit zweigroup.com. You can subscribe to the Zwei Letter podcast wherever you listen to it, and please consider rating and reviewing us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. I'm your host, Randy Wilburn, and we'll see you back here soon with another new episode of the Zwei Letter podcast. Peace. Thanks for tuning in to the Zweig Letter Podcast. We hope that you can be part of elevating the industry and that you can apply our advice and information to your daily professional life. For a free digital subscription to the Zweig Letter, please visit thezweigletter.com slash subscribe to gain more wisdom and inspiration in addition to information about leadership, 
finance, HR, and marketing your firm. Subscribe today.